This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away. It's the man who's never off his phone, it's James Pierce. Hiya, Jay. Hello, Ian. How are you? I am okay. Are you finally ready? Ian, I've been ready for a long time. Someone turned up an hour late for their shift today, didn't they? Did they really? An hour? Oh. Well, at mm. least double. I think you'll yeah. find a rival organisation. Yeah, that's true. I was actually spreading the good word of the echo, which is something that uh, clearly, James, you do not. You spend the bad word of the echo. You, you, in fact, you, you represent you represent everything that's bad about the Echo. Thank you, Ian. No problem. Uh, also joining us is Christian Walsh. Hello, Christian. Hello, Ian. I'd also like to say for the record, the Redman TV are not our rivals. We're actually well, he really said that. good. I, I didn't say I, that. No, I said it. Oh, you said it. Hang on. So, what, so, you, so you're stating for you, you're contradicting yourself. I am. I'm just I'm just clearing up. They're not rivals. They're our good friends. Indeed. Look, Chris and Paul are great lads. They are. And finally, last but very much not least, it's our most easterly member of the sports desk. It's Connor Dunn. Hi, Connor. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm okay. I believe you have been quite willing us to hurry up and get on with this. Somewhat, yeah. Just because you were late and I'm due to finish very soon. Oh, so, Connor. But I'm in no rush because I love doing this with all of you. Exactly, yes. Indeed. And also a man who never finishes on time. And now we will start, James, with a bit more fallout from Liverpool's win against Manchester United at the weekend. Liverpool, of course, won 3-1. Mourinho, Jose Mourinho came out a bit, after, a bit later, basically said, more my players are rubbish. Liverpool's players are great. And then, lo and behold, about 48 hours later, he is sacked. Were you surprised by this? I was, actually. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I thought he would limp on uh, potentially to the end of the season um, just because the, the talk had been that it was going to cost them so much money to get rid of him. Um, but I think the fact that they they uh, bit the bullet and got rid of him just showed how alarming their slump had been. And, you know, I think... And he reacted angrily to the, the Sky questions after the game about whether he'd lost the dressing room and all the rest of it. But I think he probably had. I think I think that was why they probably felt they had to, to do that. And I think, you know, if anyone connected with that club, you know, although Sunday afternoon was obviously fantastic for Liverpool, it must have, you know, it must have been absolutely horrific to have all your weaknesses laid bare at, you know, in the worst possible venue if you're Manchester United. Um so from that perspective, um, you know, you could you could see why they decided that they had to do something because United were was so so bad in every single department, and um, yeah, Klopp uh, Klopp costing Mourinho his job once again. Connor, the big question is: Are you happy he's gone though? <laughs> it's quite a divisive one, this, isn't it? To be honest, um, obviously everybody loves to sit and watch United struggle, um, but I would say I'm happy he's gone because at the end of the day, he's a manager as one so many trophies and you know his tactics and what he can do with teams is spectacular sometimes and to not have that manager at the helm of one of your club's biggest rivals was a pleasant under the breath burp from James Pierce there um, <laughs> <laughs> I've had <any> lunch <laughs> yeah to not have a manager like that one of your club's biggest rivals is obviously a good thing for Liverpool Christian I was actually quite disappointed he left I must admit i I, I think he's yes. This from, from a journalistic point of view, or from a, just a general football point of view. A general football point of view. From a journalistic point of view, yeah, I think he's 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 blockbuster. He's box office, but also I think he is a little bit banal and probably a little bit just very. He just feels dated now, and he almost feels like a pastiche of himself in the sense that. We all remember the vibrant Jack of the Box Mourinho at Porto and Chelsea, and, and even to a degree at. at um, into Milan, Real Madrid, but you know when he was kicking off. Now it's he felt like he was kicking off for the sake of kicking off. It felt like he was playing throwing players under the bus because that's just what Jose Mourinho does. Now I don't know if he ever really believed in anything he said this season. Some of the things that he's come out with are ludicrous. Some of the actions he's done in terms of you know with Pogba, and Martial. I mean, go back to the the preseason tour when um, you know it, it couldn't be more marked, could it? When Nathaniel Klein had had a baby and, you know, Klopp sort of joked about it in the press conference, but whereas Jose Mourinho pretty much lambasts Marshall for having the temerity to go back and, and look after his newborn child. So it felt towards the end of his reign, he was he was almost like a caricature of himself. Um, don't get me wrong, he's still great to write about. He's still somebody who was always worth a quote, even at the Liverpool Echo. He'd come out with a line or two, he'd always blast or slam or have a dig at Liverpool. 
So in that sense, yes, I'm sad to see him go. And also, you know, from a football point of view, I just think he's yesterday's man. I think tactics have evolved. I think football has moved on. I think there was a big moment where Pep Guardiola took over in Barcelona, at Barcelona in 2008 and nobody's looked back tactically since then. He hasn't really adapted. He hasn't kept up with Guardiola. And you're looking at Guardiola, Klopp, of course, and, and Pochettino now as, as the main three in the Premier League. And, and he's stuck alongside the likes of you know Neil Warnock and what was you know, Sam Allardyce and, and, and Mark Hughes. And, and he's more akin to them now than he is to the managers in the upper echelons of the league. James, two questions. The first one, given what Christian's just said, is can you throw players under a bus if the bus is parked? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Probably easier, actually. It, does, it wouldn't hurt them, though, would it? No. They just have a bit of a kiss. Yeah, but it's... It's not it's not a moving object, is it? It's no. easier to throw someone under it. But is it worthwhile, though? In what respect? Well, what, what would be the point of throwing somebody under a bus? Are we still talking in <laughs> metaphors? <laughs> no, we're talking, talking about Jose Mourinho. <laughs> the second question, then. The second question is, do you think that part of the reason that United decided to get rid is because of Mourinho's comments about Liverpool after the game? <laughs> yeah. In the, sense that, in the sense that it was almost as if he was looking at Liverpool's team and going... <laughs> It's going to take us forever to yeah, get onto yeah. this level. But I did want, like, cause coming away from Anfield on Sunday night, I did think I'd never heard Mourinho be like that after after such a chastening defeat in terms of just the nice things he said about Liverpool more than anything. You know, what did he say there? They were better, stronger, and faster than us. You know, all the you know eulogising about Andy Robertson. Um, even that to me smacked of almost like he was a beaten man. It, like to, to be to be talking like that about your biggest rivals. When usually, you know, you'd expect a really hurt, defiant Mourinho to be to be blaming it, trying to find some little sideshow to divert the attention away from United's glaring weaknesses, and it it looked like he didn't even have that in him anymore. Um, I think even before the game, in the build-up, I think it was in his press conference on the Friday. Probably the most damning thing I think he said was he was asked, you know, how far are you away from fashioning a team in your own image in the way that we watch Liverpool, and you can see. It's Klopp team and Klopp's team, and he just said one word. He just said far, as in you know, far away from. And it used to think that is mad. But if you're Ed Woodward and the Glazers, when the amount was he spent the best part of four hundred million pounds in the last two and a half years, um, to admit then that you're still miles away from from it being your team, just shows what a horrendous job he'd done. And it it, it keeps coming back to recruitment because you know. As Christian said, he, you know, he's been bleating about all kinds of things over the course of this season, and you know, loads of digs about the money Liverpool spent, and going on about Klopp signing everything and everyone was one of his quotes from the summer. But um, you know, I, you know, just think it just doesn't stand up to scrutiny, does it? When you think you know, ninety million pound Pogba didn't even get on against Liverpool, fifty three million pound Fred, you know, they're horrendous defensively, their worst defensive record at this stage of the season since the early sixties, yet. He's got, you know, he's bought two thirty million pound plus centre backs in Lindelof and Bailey. So, um, the intriguing thing for me is the way they've gone about replacing it. I was going to mention because that, yeah. it, it, I, think, I find that think, utterly think, bizarre. Do you think that smacks a bit of they know that the target and they've got? Yeah, they know they've got no they can't chance. Get him till they, next summer. Basically, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, but it's. I was trying to think what the Liverpool equivalent would be. It's, it's like almost Kenny. Kenny. It's, it's almost Douglas and it's Douglas and um, Hodgson. Is how I'd say it. Like because manager loan, hang on a minute. There is not. Yes, Kenny Dalglish had won the title with Liverpool and was a, I mean, a successful not in terms, manager. Not in terms Solskjaer of the failed at Cardiff just and is managing some two bob club in Norway. <laughs> yeah, but Dalglish hadn't been a manager for quite some time. No, but it's and he was only different. he was initially. It's oh, no, it's not different. It's not in the Kenny sense. It's not. like an absolute hero who'd won the double as a manager. It's not in the sense that Dalglish was initially only brought in for the. To see out the rest of the season, yeah, but and you he can't did better. A point in Kenny Dalglish to a point in Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Well, you can in terms of you can't. That. You just can't. <laughs> well, yeah, I am. Well, you're wrong. No, I'm not <laughs> wrong. I'm not wrong. Tell, and and, and, and Christine is going. Christine is going to back me up on this. Is it, to tell you what it is, it's the equivalent of Liverpool giving the job to Paul Ince or Mark Wright for the rest of the season. I asked no, a little bit harsh on Solskjaer. That's just, that's just silly. James, you've let yourself down it's there. It's not. What has Solskjaer achieved or anything in f- football? I think it's more the, the sense that they brought somebody in just to see it out to the end of the season. And Dalglish was available at the time. He hadn't been a manager for quite some time. And yeah, the, the, obviously the two respective managerial careers are completely and utterly different. But Solskjaer, I don't even think Solskjaer thinks that he's going to be taken over for the after this after this season. That's what it re- originally was going to be. FSG wanted Dalglish to take over for 
to the end of the season, then we bring somebody else in. But obviously, Dalglish ended up doing really well and staying. Now, do you think as though do you think if Solskjaer does really well, he's going to stay? No, I don't. So that's no. where it's different. Well, no, it, but it's completely different anyway. No, <laughs> Christian, I can see what Ian's saying. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I hate to agree with Doyle. I can see what he's saying. The, the chalk and cheese in terms of managers, but I think it's the idea that they've been under this almost tyrannical reign of dour, drab football. And here comes a manager who's got a connection with the supporters who can come in with no pressure on the shoulders and, and play some attacking football. And Ian just put a finger up to James. Yeah, just just that. There was no need for that. Turned up two no hours late for, for his shift. No, he's, that's a no, crap he's in here. Anyway, Connor. <laughs> You've had to sit in the middle of this little uh, argument in which James has lost. I mean, what do you think? I think it's slightly different because Solskjaer was managing somewhere else. <laughs> Could you expand on that a little bit? As in, Dalglish wasn't the manager when he came into Liverpool. That, well, you go, that is different, yeah. But yeah. the whole the, the premise, the, pre- the premise is <laughs> the same. Different. The premise is one's the Scottish, same. One's Scottish, one's Norwegian. <laughs> you know what? But I think we should probably move. We'll on. move. <laughs> we shall move on because and to bring this back to Liverpool. So the, the only good point you do make there is. You're right Only. in the fact that... No, well, it's not even a full <laughs> good point, maybe half a good point, is the fact that Kenny Dogleash, you're right, was only supposed to be manager yes. for, for, what, five months yeah, yeah, to steady yeah. the ship. Yeah. And FSG had no intention of giving him the job full-time. He did so well that then that, that kind of weight of public opinion convinced them, well, we've, we've now got no option but to give him the job. And it will be interesting. You're right, if Solskjaer does incredibly well, which... I think it's unlikely. I think they've, they're, they're bound he's, he's, to improve. They're going to say he's going to do better, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, do, they can't... I don't know if he will. No, they will. They're, they've still got some really bad. good players. They're, Come on. Pogba will suddenly start having a go now, won't he? That's Just the thing. Like, it'll be, it'll yeah. be interesting who, who has been, who's been horrendous for mm. them suddenly starts delivering because then you'll know, you know who they're exactly down tools under, under Mourinho. But, um, but yeah, it will be interesting if, if he does really well and suddenly you're looking at whether it's going to cost them the best part of 40 million quid to get Pochettino. Because um, I think he's, he's the most likely long-term well, successor. I was going to ask Connor then, I'll bring it back to Liverpool. If it is Pochettino, is that a good thing for Liverpool that Pochettino is going to Manchester United from Tottenham, taking a, clearly a very good manager at one of the near rivals and joining a, a team that is bigger than Tottenham? but hasn't really been Liverpool's rival this season, he could be somebody who could make them back into that, couldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is probably the main issue for a team like Liverpool and other, play, I guess, teams like Arsenal as well. Like he, Pochettino has made Tottenham into a really credible force in the Premier League and you know the main threat to the top two this year is Tottenham. Um, it's no secret that Pochettino has done an amazing job there. Um, as you said, when we said at the start, he's best three managers in the Premier League if you then take his Tottenham team that are still with his Tottenham team regardless of whether he leaves or not still got good players still play well and then he moves to Man United and is given a chance to build something there it's going to make Man United again into a credible force as Tottenham are now And but Tottenham will still be there as well they're not just going to fall by the wayside so yeah it just adds a, another team to the Premier League mix I also think that United's ceiling is far far higher than yeah, Tottenham's yeah the cash as well yeah, there's the money it's there's the fan base it's easy to change things around because of all those well, look at look at Liverpool you know, look at Liverpool if we're talking about Liverpool look at how Liverpool turned things around after after. I mean you can look at it in two ways well in two sections look how they turned it around after Hodgson you obviously you had Kenny and it didn't go exactly according to plan but within three years Liverpool were challenging for the Premier League title and even this time you look at the end of Rodgers' reign within three years Liverpool are one of, the, one of the finest teams in Europe they've already played in the Champions League final Europa League final and the top of the Premier League unbeaten it, Liverpool I'd say were not in a worse position than Manchester United but they needed a similar sort of what's the word I'm looking for not root and branch investigation yeah it needs mm. to be galvanised in the same way need to kick up the backside in the same way they needed somebody who could come in and transform the club both on and off the pitch and that's what Jürgen Klopp's done it's taken them three years but look where they are so I'd be very concerned with Pochettino at Manchester United because Tottenham will, will as Connor says still be there they still have those fantastic players but ultimately, Man United could could become, you know, not unstoppable, but they'd certainly be a team who could challenge Liverpool and Man City once more within a couple of seasons, no yeah, problem. They're, they're too big, aren't they, to just yeah. slip. The idea that they would just somehow slip into <laughs> mediocrity now on the back of well, almost like half a dozen reasonably poor seasons. They're just... Because if Pochettino does get that job, you know, he'll be given massive funds when he to spend. And yeah, that that would worry me if he did get that job. I'd, I'd, I hope for Liverpool's sake that I'd rather they went for someone like Zidane. 
Really? Well, I know. Even, I know. It's, it's, it's won three Champions League with Real Madrid, but I still think, I still think that would be more of a gamble than giving it to Pochettino. It's the building job for Zidane, really, isn't it? Trying to bring and try, t- turn around a club like inheriting that Madrid team when he did yeah. is a lot easier than inheriting that Man yeah, United team now. Yeah, you can't take anything away from from what he did achieve at Real Madrid, but, but I still yeah. think Poch- also, Pochettino. You know, he's He's got a positive net spend, doesn't he, at Tottenham? Something absolutely. He's actually though. He's he's very much like Wenger was for a large spell of his yeah, Arsenal and time, I just... and they, and he, in that time he basically won nothing but kept Arsenal getting to the Champions League, and yeah. it's almost as though Tottenham have fallen into that kind of. I think Pochettino is absolutely top draw. I think, you know, I hope I hope United don't get. Him. Can you see any parallels between United now and Liverpool in the early nineties, in the sense that United aren't going to win the league this season? So. Old. So, so <laughs> it's incredible to think if they do win it next year, that or it's seven. There'll be at least seven years since they last won the league, which for a team that you know throughout the early in the Premier League they basically dominated it until 2013. Liverpool 70s and 80s dominant, and then they kind of whether well, it was a you know bit of a mixture of complacency and whatever have you. And there was always that when they went three or four years without winning the league, there was always a suggestion, ah, oh, well we can go for it next year, and then it became five years, then it became ten, then it became fifteen, then it carried on going. Or is it because United have such a high profile and they have so much money and they have that clout, as Christian mentioned, that they're never, ever going to fall that far behind? I think, I think there are definitely parallels until now from since Ferguson left and, and what happened to Liverpool in those early 90s. The major parallel being how badly Liverpool bought at that time and how, yeah. and how badly United have, have bought because they, they've wasted an extraordinary amount of money and obviously it was a very different transfer market back then. It wasn't really for the want of spending, was it? That Liverpool fell away. You know, I think they, they, they almost bought, spent as much as anybody yeah, else. Yeah, they just you know, invested it really, really badly. I think the difference is now that there's just so much money at the top of the game. The fact that you know United, even being out of the Champions League for a couple of years, is still not going to. You know, you look at the, obviously the Glazers get a huge amount of criticism for the way that they run United. But you know, we think what, what's levelled at them is almost like apathy for what happens on the pitch because. It's still growing commercially, isn't it? You know, there's still you know, it's an absolute giant in terms of what it generates in terms of. But they must revenue. know. They must know that there comes a point that if yeah, you aren't def- winning things, yeah. then they'll, they'll they'll have seen it and gone, all right, okay, that's enough. We need to start. Yeah, and that, but that's that's why they will, because it is just such a, a vast enterprise. That is why they will have to throw a huge amount of money at it, and so, and I just think, you know, whether it's Pochettino, whether it's Zidane, they, they'll have that much money to spend. That you know, it's lo- it would be lovely to think that Liverpool wouldn't have to worry about Man United for the next five, ten years, but I don't, I don't see that happening. I mean, that said, Connor, say you're a top footballer, which I hate to break this to you, you're not, although you are quite good. Um, in January, Liverpool and Manchester United come in for you. Who are you going for? In January, yeah, this January, yeah, hundred percent Liverpool, and that and isn't is even that as a Liverpool th- fan. Why wouldn't you want to go to what is? The- even going to be the top or second place in the Premier League, somebody that's playing in the Champions League. Even if United oh, anyway, offer more money. In fact, in fact, don't even say January, let's say the summer. But let's, let's be honest, the money isn't going to be hugely, vastly, wildly different between the two clubs, is it? If Unless you're a top, Alexis Sanchez. Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you're a top, top player, well. you'd expect Liverpool to offer you similar amounts to what Man United can offer you anyway. And I think... As a top player, you want to be playing in the top competitions like the Champions League. You want to be challenging for the title. And I don't think you want to give it a season to see how it might work out for a club like Man United. Why don't you go somewhere that's going to be, you know, playing the Champions League straight away and challenging for the title straight away? I mean, therein lies the difference between Liverpool and Man United and why United find themselves in this position and Liverpool find themselves in their position is that I think United have got that ability to maybe break that wage structure for, for a player. So... In general, I'd say that they offer similar wages for similar types of players, but if like a Sanchez, a Wayne Rooney, I think even going back to maybe Carlos Tevez, they will happily sort of say, right, okay, we'll break that wage structure, we'll give you 250, 300, 350. Doesn't that only work then if you then start winning stuff? Well, I wouldn't even say that. What it does is it attracts a certain type of player and it's not a type of player that in the modern game necessarily does much. I think the Galactico era of of football is over. I think it's very much a, a millennial sport now in the sense that it's full of young ambitious men who want the adulation of course they want money you know of course of course they want 
riches and 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 fame. I'm sure they do, but they also want the adulation of of, of the cop or of of the Essihad or whatever. They want trophies. They want prizes. They want to just basically have a really successful career, more so than the type of player maybe United you know, attract. And you look at Alexis Sanchez now wasting away I mean he's injured at the moment but he's pretty much ready for the bench I think football's moved on and I don't think Manchester United have in a similar way how Liverpool didn't move on when football moved on you know, have they been complacent about it or, or is it not is it just been a case of them taking their eye off the ball I think they slept walked into it I think they've or, just or, or is it or is it it just underlines just how much of an influence Alex Ferguson was I think there's an influence of Alex Ferguson, but I also think that United ultimately, let's face it, were for, for a large period of the time, like the Galacticos of the Premier League. They they were the Real Madrid of, of the Premier League. You look at some of those teams, some of those signings that they used to make and, and they had some of the best teams, you know, the Premier League's ever seen. But ultimately now, it's not about having the best players. It's about having the best team, the best squad, the best unity, the best tactics and how which players fit into that. You, know, you look at somebody like James Milner, in in no way, shape or form would Manchester United go after a player like James Milner. In no way, shape or form would they have gone after a player like Andy Robertson. In no way, shape or form. They might have gone for a Van Dyke or you know an Alison Becker maybe, but they certainly would they would have even gone for a Mo Salah because that's not what they're about. They're all about they're not about potential, they're not about trying to extract as much from, as possible. They're about the finished article. That comes at a price. But I think in the modern game, and you're seeing this because City Tottenham and Liverpool are all getting success from it. Yes, there's money involved. Yes, they pay high wages, but it's also about something more. And I don't think Man United have realised that yet. Bearing that in mind, James, is there then a sense that this also underlines, and you're going to probably hate me for this question. Um, <laughs> even more. Yeah, even more. Even more so than the Solskjaer one earlier. Um, this underlines that both teams have got American owners, but underlines how FSG have got it right lately. The last couple of years, you look at the appointments of Klopp, you look at the you know, behind the scenes, you know, Michael Edwards being an obvious one. And United, they lost David uh, Gill, didn't they? And Edward took over. And it's a little bit like when Liverpool, Peter Robinson in the 80s, early 90s, he decided yeah. to... And that when he went, it underlined how important it was to have a very strong backroom team. And I don't mean like the training staff, I mean the, all the other side of it. Yeah, and well, people with football knowledge, isn't it? I yeah. think that's the thing, because Edward was obviously a businessman, not, mm. a, you know, they, I think... That's where you could see United have massively fallen down. The, the fact that you know you'd have thought with someone like Ed Woodward with his background, you'd need a director of football to have that kind of that knowledge and input into the process because you know clearly none of the Glazers have got a clue you know what's going on. And then you're right, you know, in terms of the way they run the club, you know, taking out vast vast sums of money, um, you know, because they basically mortgaged it to the to the hilt. Um, completely different to the FSG model, and I think. You know, it does make you appreciate what Liverpool have got. Not just in terms of Klopp and the squad, but you know, with Michael Edwards, you know, um, who obviously keeps a very low profile. But you you look at the work that that he's done. Um, you know, with, with with Barry Hunter and and Dave Fallows as well, uh, the recruitment team. Mike Gordon, you know, obviously is involved in the day to day running of the club. And I think I think that's why Liverpool were seeing this thrilling resurgence is the fact that. It's just working so well. That structure, it's, it's got the right expertise there. It's got, you know, it's got the, the business side of it. It's got the, the football knowledge, the use of, you know, they obviously use the numbers and the analysis when, when they need to. Um, and you can sense from Klopp's demeanour, the fact that there's, there's just none of that, what we had was there under Brendan Rodgers, where it was always this, this kind of, it was, it was always those whispers about who'd signed who and, and why did he not get his own way on that one? And okay, well, if you want that one, you have that one. But then when we're looking for that position, we decide who. And then things like that never work, do they? And that that's that's the big strength of where Liverpool are at now. The fact you just don't get that, do you? You know, even and Klopp, although Klopp certainly has a much bigger say in decisions than than Rogers did. You know he's earned that because he's got so much right in terms of his recruitment. I think that was because because Liverpool bought badly at times under Rodgers, where he'd maybe been pushing for a certain player. You know that trust eroded a little bit. When where now with Klopp, it's it's such a a strong bond between you know Edwards, Mike Gordon, and and, and Klopp himself, the three main men who run the club on a day to day basis. Right, that's enough Manchester United for now. This is a Liverpool... Oh, hang on, no, it's not enough. No, 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 just just one last thing. The myth is shattered as well, this whole debacle, I think, is the importance of trophies. 
because I'm sure Mourinho, everybody he's, remembers. He's, he's won something, hasn't he? He has won something, but where's he got them? And ultimately, you know, people talk about Klopp's record in finals. You look at Klopp's record in finals, they've lost because of a couple of penalty shootouts, a last-minute goal, a, a, a second-half capitulation. You know, in, in a 90-minute or 120-minute game, you know, fine margins can dictate things. That's fine. But ultimately, where they're at at the moment is in a far healthier and a far more prosperous position than Manchester United. And if you were to ask Manchester United if they'd rather be Liverpool right now or if they would have rather won the EFL Cup against Southampton because of an 88th-minute win by Zlatan Ibrahimovic, there's, you know, a 35-year-old player, and won the Europa League against Ajax, which they prefer. Don't get me wrong, great days out, fantastic trophies is what fans want. But for the long-term importance of the club I think it's all about what Liverpool are doing right now The Blood Red Podcast brought to you by Footy 5 play today at thepools.com Connor then Liverpool are unbeaten this season after having beaten Manchester United 17 games I think by the look on your face you know what's coming uh, Dejan Lovren uh, spoke after the game and he's he's getting a little bit of criticism from some people because he was basically asked you know can you go the whole season unbeaten and he said well hopefully you know, do you feel as though He's being harshly criticised because what else was he expected yeah, to say? Was he expected be. to say, you know what? No, I I kind of hope we lose two or three games. That would be I'd feel much better because of that. Yeah, like what happens if he says no? People go absolutely wild. Like <laughs> it just yeah. I think what's been levelled at him is pretty unfair, and I think you've got to expect a any performer playing in that Liverpool team playing the way they are going unbeaten. If they're asked that question, they're going to say, "Of course, we can carry it on." I, you know, it's absolutely fair enough. Yeah, because he's not said Chris. He hasn't said they will do it. He said, hopefully. And he said, is it possible? Well, Arsenal did it. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so it, it has been done. It is possible. He hopes they can do it. What's it's wrong all, with that? It's always the two-pronged thing. It's, why is he talking about it? Because well, he, he, he got asked. You know, so why has he said it? Well, what else has he meant to say? You know, it, it's... Imagine you know, if he just... He could have dismissed the question. Yeah, imagine that would have been... Then. Imagine the exactly, yeah. yeah. That's the story. He suggestions and also people Liverpool say... Could. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> and also, also he says, oh, we're, we're looking at one game at a time and everybody just goes, oh, these modern footballs, they're just media trained. <laughs> well, you know, so... What well, do you want? Yeah, yeah. He, can't, he can't win, can he? You know, ultimately we're in the game of trying to extract these quotes from them. Dejan's always good for the for the quote here and there, of course, but I think it's a bit of a hangover from his from his earlier years at Liverpool when it feels like he was saying he that was on, he wanted would. to hide under the table three and a bit years ago. It's a long time ago now. Mm. Yeah. James, no, I didn't have a problem at all with what he said. I think it's just a bit of a bizarre social media thing, isn't it? This idea that jinxing uh, it yeah, doesn't that, exist. Yeah, you can't jinx because I, I saw the replies. Last night to the story, he said, Oh, great, thanks very much, Lovren. Definite defeat at Wolves. <laughs> As if, like, every because t- I think there is that sense that every time he does an interview, Liverpool will automatically lose the next game. Well, he must have done any this season. Yeah, he hasn't played much football, has he? So, um, no, it was, I've got an issue with so when you actually read his quotes. I wasn't, at, I can't, I wasn't actually there when, when he said those words, but you know, I've seen the transcript and he was asked the question, you know, Can you go unbeaten? Hopefully. Why not? You know, Arsenal did it. You know, as Connor said, you know, what's he supposed to say? No, we definitely can't. You know, it's it's unrealistic. Liverpool are only halfway through the season and they're mm. unbeaten. Um, having played a lot of the top teams away from home, so um, it's not it's not beyond the realms of of possibility that they will go the entire season un, unbeaten. And you know, I'd, I'd say with you know, it's yeah, he does he does get some unfair stick, Lovren. I'm not too sure. You know, on, what, on what it's based, and he suddenly is very, very important to Klopp because you know the, one of the worries for me over this Christmas period is can he stay fit and play all the games? Because, and look, yeah, that Newcastle game's the one where I'm thinking because yeah, he might not be fit. This, I mean, this season, you know, obviously he came came back after the World Cup with the with the, I think it was like a like a stomach pelvis yeah. complaint, wasn't it? And um, and and that ruled him out. He's had a, numerous other. Small issues since you know he has missed a lot of football. He had the concussion from a clash of heads in training, um, and Liverpool haven't really needed him so far this season because obviously Joe Gomez was so good um, alongside Van Dijk, and then John Matip came in and did well for a few games. But you know, obviously with Gomez and Matip out, you know it's absolutely crucial that that Lovren not just plays well but stays fit over this period because you know if he if he doesn't play, then Klopp has got one massive headache. 
We will move on to the Wolves game very, very shortly. Just two other points of order before then. Uh, first one, James, me and you were at St. Helens on Tuesday night. We saw Liverpool's under-18s playing the Youth Cup against Portsmouth. I know, Connor, you were following from the office. The you know, went 2-0 up, about to 2 all, And then, the, as the under-18s tend to do an awful lot this season, it's the fifth time this season. The they scored, yes, they scored in the 90th minute or later. In this case, it was the 92nd minute. Bobby Duncan scored the winner, 3-2. The through to the next round to play Accrington, not Leeds, as... We were somehow led to believe. Um, it was an interesting game, wasn't it? Entertaining, as you say. It was, yeah. I mean, the one thing you're guaranteed with Barry Lutis' side is drama. Um, played some great football as well. Um, it was a strange game. But, you know, first half, really, really dominant. Mm. Um, played some played some really neat, in, incisive stuff. Great finish from Bobby Duncan, uh, pouncing on a defensive mistake. And, and then... You know, continuing his excellent first season at the club, creating the second one for Sharif. Um, and at that point, you kind of fancy Liverpool to win it by, by four or five. But um, Portsmouth, you know, to their credit, I think it was more Portsmouth improving than Liverpool really deteriorating. They came right back into it. And once they got it back to two each, you know, I thought they looked like the more likely winners. But um, as we've seen, I think, I think it was like the fifth time this season that this the under time, 18s yeah, yeah. have scored a, 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 like a stoppage time winner. Um Really well worked corner. I think it was Jake Kane knocking it into Glatzel's feet, him turning, firing it across goal, and Bobby Duncan sweeping the ball home. So um, yeah, great because you know it would be nice to have an extended run in in the youth club. I think it's been over a decade now since since Liverpool won it, and um, it, it means as well. You know, I think that's them done now, isn't it, for the first half of the season? Yeah, I think January can, the eleventh, isn't it? Yeah, or something they like can, that. Yeah. You know, and they'll be able to look back with a lot of satisfaction. You know, having topped their group in the UEFA. Youth League flying high in the domestic league and with a home tie against Accrington that you'd fancy them to get through in the FA Youth Cup come January. Another news uh, piece this week, Connor, was uh, that Dominic Solanke, is, he's, he's, a lot of clubs are interested in taking him on loan. Liverpool aren't going to make a decision until January when they see what the uh, injury situation's like. But Solanke played 27 times last season. Had to wait till the last Premier League game of the season to get his first goal. He's been on the bench once this season against Chelsea in the League Cup and didn't get on. Last season, Origi wasn't around the club and Sturridge wasn't there for half of it. But now he's them two are ahead of him in the pecking order. If you were Solanke, would you want to be going in January? Yeah, I think he's got to, hasn't he, really? I think he's got to go and get some game time somewhere. Um, I think it's important for any young player, especially in that sort of position, you know, playing so well for a season now, not really being anywhere near. He's got to go back, he's got to play and he's got to prove game what he can do. Um, I think... You know, Klopp said himself, he's got loads of options in attack and that is to the downfall of someone like Solanke because he's just not going to get a place in the team. But I think if you can go away to somewhere like Derby, as we've seen, you can literally, you know, put yourself back in the spotlight, put your back, yourself back would inside you, would, the mind. Would, would you mind seeing him drop down to the Championship or would you want to see him stay in the Premier League or, or, or comparatively? To be honest, I think, I think the championship at the top level is is really competitive. And if you can perform there, I think you can perform in the Premier League because the teams pushing to come up are, you know, a serious size. As we've seen with teams coming up, like, time and time again. Um, I wouldn't see him, I wouldn't mind seeing him drop down if he did go to, you know, somewhere in the top four. Norwich, maybe, somewhere like that. You know, somewhere really high, somewhere pushing to come to the Premier League and just seeing what he can do. Christian, Crystal Palace are one of the teams, but... Would that benefit him going to a team that's struggling to score goals and clearly create chances? Also, the way they well, play football, it just it, wouldn't it, really and make sense. He won't go anywhere where he's guaranteed games because you can't guarantee that. But he perhaps, as Connor said, had a bit more chance if he was playing at the top end of the championship. Yeah, definitely. And, and ultimately, Leeds versus Norwich is there's no difference for me in Leeds versus Norwich than Crystal Palace versus Huddersfield. You know, mm. it's it's. It's bigger game in some ways. Yeah, well, a Premier a Premier League game in, is is only Premier League game by name. I, I think the top six in the Championship and the bottom six of the Premier League are pretty interchangeable nowadays. Such as the I don't know if you want to say that the the lack of quality at the bottom of the Premier League or the think, quality at the Championship. It's, it's whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah, I, I think ultimately what what will matter. I think it's two pronged with, with loans. Is number one, is there anybody? Is there a team who are going to? play to his style his strengths and actually develop him on the training pitch day in day out um, and give him you know develop the, the, the skills that he'll need to, to progress at Liverpool there's no point turning him into a batter and ram striker at Crystal Palace for example he might score 10 goals there but then he comes back to 
to Liverpool and it's like, well, he only knows how to play one way. Yeah, exactly. Um, And number two, you know, in terms of getting used to playing these important games and, and, and pressure moments and I think what we're seeing with Harry Wilson, for example, is something exactly like that at Derby. He's been playing in the midfield three. He's been playing out wide. He's even had a little stint up front and he's playing in games which are big games. Derby are a big club. There are a lot of local games there. A lot of uh, heated rivalries. You know, you think of Derby and you think, well, they could play Forest, they could play Leeds. I can't think of any other teams. But <laughs> Burton. Burton, yeah. Well, they're, they're in League One. Oh, they? Oh, yeah, yeah, they went down, didn't um, they? Sorry, yeah. Cop runs as well. Yeah, yeah so all of that is, is a case of Harry Wilson's got to come back to Anfield at a Villa, much better Villa, player. Villa, 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 Villa's another one. Birmingham? Yeah, it's because Derby's just in that weird, weird place, Stoke? isn't it? Stoke, exactly, yeah. There's it's loads. Da- yeah, da- Derby basically have 46 derbies a season. So, <laughs> ironically, yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Harry Will- you know, for Harry Wilson, it's a fantastic loan there. But whereas, and I know Liverpool were, were keen to say that he, he, he benefited, and I'm sure Cardiff would agree, but I just didn't see the point of Gruwich at Cardiff because they don't play. Neil Warnock is not going to teach Marco Gruwich much apart from how to side somebody into half, and that comes from and, a Warnock and, fan. And living without any eyebrows as well. Yeah. Uh, James, Dominic Solanke then, this next six months, regardless of what happens to him, whether he stays or whether he goes, is this going to basically determine whether he's got a future at Liverpool? Um, Put you on the spot I don't there. Know, yeah, I, I, still, I still think he's young enough. He's only 21, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, the, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say the next six months are like absolute make or break for him. I think, I think the problem is as Liverpool develop and improve under Klopp, the bar just keeps getting higher and higher, doesn't it, in terms of the improvement that he has to make. To, to be a, like a, a proper part of Liverpool's future, and I'm, I'm you know, I, I think he's one of the players. Obviously, I know I, I certainly don't think over the next six months Klopp would be seeing it that way in terms of this. Uh, this will be my time to judge him and make a decision. I think it's more probably for Dominic Solanke. At what point does he decide? You know, I don't want to sit around waiting anymore. If if it looks like he is facing, you know, another season where his his chances are going to be so limited. I think in terms of where he goes on loan, you know, I think. Obviously, Liverpool are waiting at the moment because it's difficult to see Klopp needing him in the second half of the season, but it only takes two injuries over mm. Christmas. And then suddenly, you know, you only have to look at the way that Origi suddenly became important to Klopp again and, and Klein, that, that things can change so quickly in football. But um, yeah, he, he desperately needs to go out on loan. You know, I wonder whether he, I think Rangers would make sense to me. I mean, I think that would be a decent decent move for him. The, the biggest thing is he has to play. There's absolutely no point in going somewhere where he's going to be, you know, in and out. You know, he needs to go somewhere, play 12, 15 games, you know, back to back and, and be part of something that actually means something. Just look at Ben Woodburn, to be fair. You know, he went and couldn't get a permanent start, was swapped in and out of the team, now he's back at Melwood. And you just don't want to see that happen to Dominic Sankey, to be fair. Fair enough. Uh, Wolves then. Liverpool are at Wolves on Friday. Uh, Connor, it's not going to be a straightforward game, is it? No. Um, Wolves have been mixing it with the best in the Premier League this year. Um, they've taken points off City, Arsenal. They've beaten Chelsea, took points off United. Drew with Everton the first day of the season, was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're a pretty serious side, to be honest. Um, they've got a Portuguese three. Who three? It's about a million of them, isn't there? Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the ones he played at Neves... Um, Moutinho and what's the other one Patricio and yeah they look very very talented And what, what's interesting about those three is that the two of them were forever linked with, with Liverpool or Everton over the past couple of years weren't they you know Neves he's, is he only like 2021 still right, yeah, and Moutinho's a bit older isn't he because he was at uh, Porto that's right Monaco Mon- well he was at Porto he was at Porto yeah, and yeah. Monaco yeah Yeah. so the, these are players who, who obviously have a lot of quality so it's, in that sense as you mentioned Colin, it shouldn't be a surprise that Wolves are doing as well as they are no absolutely not I think they've come up and I think they've really proved the point I think where they've found the issues is slipping up against teams that you know by the level they're playing that they should be beating because you know Huddersfield should never be losing to them when you're beating teams like Chelsea um, but yeah I think Klopp will be well aware of the threat they pose um, they've got one injury I was having a look at the Wolves press conference earlier um, it's that Jota in midfield and he's been a really key man for them this year as well so that's that's going to be a miss but yeah I think it's going to be a tricky game 
Yeah, so I'm, I was just distracted. There's somebody in the office there wearing an elf, an elf hat. <laughs> yeah, there is actually. You're right. No, there is actually. You are, you are correct. Although it, it is the season and all that. It, it is the season, but come on. I mean, you know, we're recording this on Thursday. This there, will go out on there Friday. A, but there's a time and a place for fun and enjoyment, and it's not in this office. It's definitely not, and certainly not in this podcast. <laughs> I do think that Wolves. I, I think it's a, it's a real banana skin for for Liverpool. I think it's a really tricky tie. I think. There's a lot of elements here which might conspire against Liverpool. I think that, yeah, Wolves are, are strong against the top six. I think that they're underlying numbers, to use that phrase again, that I've used a couple of times. Um, it has them as a team who could challenge for the Champions League places. You know, they're, they're, they're creating chances and they just haven't got somebody who can put the ball in the back of the net on a regular basis. You know, I think they'll probably have to upgrade. I think he's a good striker in general, Jimenez, but he reminds me of sort of a... Rafa Benitez Valencia style you know only scores about eight goals but actually does loads of work off the ball um, so they're missing that type of player they're, they're really tight at the back as well they play the back three obviously Connor Cody is the, is the captain and Marshall is the uh, the back three there so and then you, you're adding to the fact that it's, it's Christmas it's a Friday night I think that stadium will be raucous it's, it's a it's a big scalp for them it's huge for them and this is what Liverpool are going to have to contend with a, a fair bit um, is the fact that they are now the league leaders, they are unbeaten Liverpool and everybody will want to take that off them. So I think it's a very tough game for Liverpool. I think it's a, it's coming at a really bad time um, because, yes, Klopp has been very good at focus on minds. I thought the way that he focused them after Napoli for United was excellent. I thought the first 30 minutes never knew why the streams of the thing Liverpool could do that after the, the excursions of, of Napoli. Um, so it's going to be a very, very, very difficult night unless <laughs> Liverpool turn up and do what they've been doing for pretty much the last month of the season and playing the football they can and dominating games and scoring goals like they did against Bournemouth, Burnley and Manchester United. James, because of all of this, will Wolves give Liverpool the chance to play though and that could basically count against them or work against them? Yeah, I th- well, that, that's going to be the intriguing side of it. Isn't it? I think they won't, they're not one of those teams that's going to suddenly change the way they play because it's Liverpool, and and look to try and frustrate them. Um, you know they they've got a style that they've stuck to, um, and that's why it's been so impressive the way the way they've gone about life in the Premier League so far. Because I think Klopp touched upon it in his press conference this week that you know you're used to teams scrapping and fighting and 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 trying to eke out forty points to to get a foothold in the Premier League, but. You know they're they're playing a you know a really exciting brand of football under Nuno, and um, yeah, I mean it's helped obviously the fact that it's it's not your usual story is it of a team coming up in terms of yeah you know the the caliber of the, some of the players they've been able to attract it's a little bit like Blackburn when they so, came up yeah. Yeah, there's a parallel there. Yeah, there is. Yeah. You're really yeah. good with I those think, parallels. I know, yeah. That, that's, a, that's a Kenny parallel as well. That's, yeah. what, yeah. that you do. that's, that's what that you do agree with. Um, yeah, you could, it's, I, I agree. I think it's a really, really dangerous game for Liverpool, this one. Because um, yeah, I, I, I just think Wolves would be, you know, they, they, they've got nothing to lose. Have they? You know, they, they'll have that belief going into it as well. The fact that they've won their last three. They've been Chelsea, Bournemouth, Newcastle recently. Mm. Um, to, as we said earlier, taking points off pretty much all the all the top teams. I think that suggests that their big players raise it when the when the big teams come along. Um, but again, you know, they haven't played Liverpool yet, and if Liverpool play the way they can, then you know the, the momentum should be continued. But if Liverpool aren't quite bang on it, then you know it could be a very very difficult night. Are we a little bit disappointed that Wolves seem to be playing in yellow rather than gold? Or is nobody bothering that? Just me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's all I've been thinking about. <laughs> that somebody's it, it, that was like when, <laughs> when the first game of the season came on, they were playing Everton here in the office. I was very disappointed. I you sure say. the TV's just aren't faulty? No, I've seen them since then. Right. Now, what's interesting is that Liverpool actually played Wolves less than two years ago in the FA Cup, uh, James. God, you and, remember that. And... One two one at Anfield, and I don't know what the answer to this is. I would love to find out how many of those players who played for Wolves that day are actually still there now. Well, I wouldn't surprise me if Connor Cody is the only starter. Well, that the, leads um, me on to, on yeah. to my question. Who, that, you that, spoke that, that to the Costa ripped Liverpool apart, and of course and Andreas Wyman, who always has a good game against Liverpool, he scored. Did he? Bristol City now? Yeah, stole. Yeah. We got the internet. Okay, well, <laughs> Connor Cody. You spoke to um, Connor Cody, who's, who's a Haydock lad. Yeah, That's near, yeah. Near he's a, do you know what? He's an absolutely. Lovely, lovely fella, Connor Cody. Um, yeah, he's. You know, it's great to see him absolutely flourish. I think you know it was a player who came up through Liverpool's youth ranks, joined the club at the age of six, 
you know, there was kind of massive, massive hopes for him. You know, he was kind of labelled as you know, potentially being able to follow in Steven Gerrard's footsteps just because, you know, played centre midfield, captain Liverpool at under-18s, under-21s, you know, England youth international. Um, and then, you know, as happens quite frequently, he just wasn't quite able to make that step up. You know, he was, you know, he was effectively trying to get into a midfield at the time that had Steven Gerrard in it, had Jordan Henderson, uh, Joe Allen, Lucas Lever. Um, I was there for his Liverpool debut actually in Moscow against Anzi Makakala in the Europa League. Who was that again, sorry? Anzi Makakala. Thank you. Um, playing against Samueletto, I think he was that, that night. Yeah. Um, and then came on against Fulham uh, to make his Premier League debut, debut for Liverpool. But, you know, I think he reached a point where he was 21 years of age. Brendan Rodgers certainly wasn't looking to move him on, but he wanted to play. Um and he, you know, he had that great season on loan at Sheffield United when they had that that FA Cup run to the semis. Um, then left permanently 2014 to Huddersfield, moved to Wolves a year later. Um, and and you're right, you know, the, the I think the, the what is just says a lot about him is the way that Wolves have absolutely taken off since that FA Cup tie at, at Anfield. What was that January 2017? The Wolves yeah. were 18th in the Championship at the time, and um, to think that. You know, less than two years on, they're now seventh in the Premier League and spent an absolute fortune on attracting these top players. Yet, Connor Cody is still so important to them. You know, he's, he's the club captain, and by Nuno, he's been reinvented as a as a centre back. Um, as a, you know, played in the middle of the back three, always a, been a fantastic pass of the the ball, and that that perfectly suits their style. Um, it, it was funny talking to him actually because he was saying that you know he grew up in a family full of Liverpool fans. Um, all his mates are, are Reds as well, um, but he was adamant that uh, that Wolves will come first on on Friday night. I think um, you know he said, that he, of course, he hopes Liverpool go on and win the title. He, he knows how much it would mean to to everyone associated with the club, and he, you know he actually described it as being it would be you know good for football in general if Liverpool did win the title. But it's fair to say he'll be looking to throw a spanner in the works on, on Friday night. Christian, did you have the answer? I do. Uh, if you remember, there was a goalkeeper called Burgoyne. I think he was the reserve keeper because the, the number one was injured. Cody Stearman. I think he might probably be milling around somewhere. Uh, Courtney House. Matt Doherty. He was yeah. like an absolute goal scoring machine for them, isn't he? He's the, he's the, the Irish wing back. Uh, Evans, Saville, Helder Costa, Edwards, Wyman and Dicko. Dicko? Yeah, newer Dicko. Um, so not many. So not many. answer. That that Morgan Gibbs White was on the bench. Since this is a Liverpool let's podcast, try guess, let's try and guess it. Carriers was definitely. This won't be fun for the listeners. Play along at home. No, come on. <laughs> come on. We'll just read it all out. Come on. Carriers. Yeah. Connor Randall. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was his last forty-five minutes. Yeah. Joe Gomez played centre back, and he didn't look like a centre back. Clavan. Yeah. And Moreno. What a back four that is. Wayne Alden definitely played. Wayne Alden played in the midfield three. With uh, Lucas and Ovia Jaria. Mm. Uh, and then it was Ben Woodburn, Divock Origi, and Roberto Firmino. How did they get beat? Blimey. Carriers and goal as well, did we say that? Oh, sorry. No, no, no way. Uh, and on the bench, there was Milner, Coutinho, Sturridge, Mignolet, Chan, Harry Wilson, and of course, Kevin Stewart, who is. Older than Emre Chan. There we yes. go. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what, that leads us on to the Liverpool team then. We'll just, we'll just uh, finish up with this. Are we saying Alisson in goal? We're saying Robertson left back? We're saying Van Dijk, centre-back with Lovren, right-back. James Milner. Are we saying Milner? No, you've got to stick with Nathaniel Klein. As long as his legs are working, Klein. Yeah. It's his defensive clock wants to freshen it up, doesn't it, really? He did so well at Bournemouth in right-back and looks short everywhere he goes, so he would be my choice if, Klopp, if Klein isn't feeling up to it or the intensity of the United game because he ran a lot. I'm saying Klein, so you're outvoted. Um, that's, that's how democracy works. <laughs> There's been <laughs> enough gap, hasn't there? If you can't recover between Sunday afternoon and Friday night... True. Now, are we saying um, you are midfield's the one, isn't it? I think Henderson's playing. I think Henderson's playing too. I think Henderson's playing. Oh, doesn't matter what you think, James. No. But, but let them That's know, you're, you're the one and I, and I don't from this podcast. I think Milner plays. I think Ronaldo plays. I think it's a names out of the hat job. Well, what names are you taking out of the hat? Well, I don't know, because it's all random, isn't it? Actually, well, I, yeah, I, I, I'll take that, that you're back. Doing I think it will be uh, Alden, Henderson, and I think it'll be a two- I Henderson went out and then from four. You think Shakira's playing? Shikiri. I don't. I don't think Shakira's playing. Do you got to play No. Ooh. So I, uh, so we're saying the front three. We've I, got think, the, I, I think he might stick with the middle. The, the same. Same team. Same team as United. 
Well, you bear That's in mind a... he said that that opening half an hour was the Liverpool's best, best well, of the season. True. Perfect, didn't he call it in the club yeah. conference yeah. afterwards? I, I just think... I don't Fabinho think Cater's is. Playing. I don't think Fabinho's playing. I think he's he's still very much from the start at Anfield, man. Which is I think I, I think that's the opposite to what we thought he would have been. I think Fabinho would start at home to Man City, but he wouldn't play. He wouldn't start away to Huddersfield. Um, I think that's he just was, the I just think he was so good. He was, yeah. and he doesn't deserve to, to not play. But are, they, are they over the Christmas period? Are they looking at the Newcastle game as the one where he might decide to rest some players? Because I'm of the opinion I think Moreno's playing against Newcastle, and I also think possibly Camacho. Fabinho Fabinho might play. Instead of Lovren, if you because I don't think Lovren can play all the games. There's no one else to play centre back. Well, I think Lovren has to play, doesn't he? Well, you think you played Fabino as one of the centre halves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because I don't. I, if, I think he would. I think you would only do that if one of Lovren's legs fall off. Red can rule out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finally, then. Finally, then. Have we got a consensus? We no, haven't. Isn't that nice though? Because I think we, we used disagree to... to disagree. Yeah, <laughs> we all agreed. Allison was in goal. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, well. <laughs> Do you think Mignolet deserves a chance? Bogdan was well, very good. Yeah, Bogdan had a blinder last night. <laughs> Did he? Hear about that? No. Denied. Denied Steven Gerrard top spot in the SPL. Well, does that the Rangers are now going to sign him because teams tend to sign him on the basis of one good appearance against them, which is exactly what Liverpool did. Anyway, the teams then. Uh, the scores. Sorry. <laughs> um, the score. What are we saying, Connor? I'm. I know you're a bit worried. You're a bit worried. Going to be this, tricky, and it's going to be one of my lowest predictions of the year so far I'd say 2-1 Liverpool I think well they'll go is... you call that low <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm normally shouting 4-0 5-0 let's play 15 players let's have it large 2-1 it's going to be tricky 2-1 Wolves ho 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 Merry Christmas really? Ooh. yeah whoa <laughs> he just said that he just said that you you hey you don't use that we've been talking off this pod about how worried we are about this game <laughs> <laughs> that was a private conversation <laughs> Jay, can you share some of the uh, findings of this private conversation? Um, it's only what we've said before about, you know, they're a good team. They are good. Yeah, yeah they are good, but, yeah. but they're also draw, not as good as Liverpool. Draw. I think two each. Two each? Yeah. Interesting. So the first time Liverpool are going to concede two goals in the league since... West Brom. Yeah. I'm going to go with 2-1 to Liverpool because you are all miserable. Thank you. Right. And apart from Connor, who's not miserable, he's never miserable. Uh, and on that festive bombshell, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, join us... Are we doing one next week? Oh, we'll do one over the weekend. Yeah, we're doing one. Yeah, we are doing one. Yeah, festive one. We're doing a festive one. Meticulous plan in this. Yes, it is. There'll be one more before Christmas, is what we're saying. We should Merry Christmas. It's almost like one of us. It's almost like one of us is leaving. We're recording on Sunday. So join us before Christmas, where you can listen to some more of us talking. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.